to, to learn it experientially. But you hang in with God, you find out God always keeps his word. He is faithful. He's a wonderful, wonderful savior. Well, good morning, family. Today, we are starting a series just called Power. Say power. Power. We're looking at the power of God. We're looking at the power of God in our life. We're going to be taking a look at different um, stories in the scripture where there are power encounters. And we're going to learn from these encounters how to operate in the power of God ourselves. And so it's, uh, it's an exciting opportunity for us to really discover God's power maybe in a new way in our lives. So uh, this morning, I want to talk about the power to change, the power to change. And we're going to look at the story, the story of two brothers, and uh, <clears throat> they are twins. They're not identical twins. In fact, they're, they're quite opposites in so many ways, but um, God works in each of their lives, and they respond to God differently, and the way they respond to God really has the, 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 determines the power in their life to change, and we see that. We see it's the power uh, to also bring blessing into their life or not, and we get to see this kind of, uh, as the story unfolds, we get to see how that works in our life. How many would like to experience more of God's blessing in your life? Anybody say, nah, I don't need it. You're, you got enough? You're, you're good? We all want that. We desire more of God's blessing. And we need to learn about what can hinder that in our life, what, what can uh, stop that, slow that down, and what can make sure that we um, get all that God desires for us. We want that in our life. Now, um, so here's, here's the deal. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, in your Bible and mark there. Just put your little marker there because we're going to come back to that portion of Scripture, kind of be our foundation. But we're going to start off in Genesis 25. And um, in Genesis 25, it's a fairly short story of how, um, you know, Isaac um, gets, gets um, you know, his he gets his two sons. And and his sons, you know, when they're born, mom gets a word from God that the younger will serve the older, or, or the older will serve the younger. And, uh, and you don't get much other than um, one's named Esau, and he's kind of hairy. And, uh, <clears throat> and his brother is Jacob. And uh, Isaac is 60 years old when... Um, when the, child, the, the boys were born. Now, the boys grew, and, um, and Esau became attached really to his father. He was more like his father. He was a hunter. He was skillful. And, um, and, and so his dad kind of favored him. And Jacob, the scripture says, was a mild man dwelling in tents, and, um, and it says, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So, 
parents, this is the worst thing. You, you know, you, I, you might have favorites at times, but don't let anybody know. You know? <laughs> let your kids know that they're, they're your favorite. And uh, one of the, what a disaster this was going to be as a result of that. And, and, uh, and so, but it exposes it's kind of the heart of, of the kids as well. Now, it's, it, the story picks up in verse 29. It says, now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. Now, he'd gone hunting, and he didn't do so well. So he comes in. He doesn't have anything. He's hungry. He wants to eat. He's, well, and he's, the, the scripture just describes him as worried. He's worn out. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom or Red. So he, um, he says, I'm weary, please feed me. And Jacob takes advantage of the situation. Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. So in other words, you can have the stew, I get your birthright. Now, for us, birthright's not that big of a deal in our culture, but it was huge in that day. And in fact, the, the, the birthright was given to the firstborn. So Esau was the firstborn. He came out first, and then Jacob was holding Esau's heel, and he be, his name actually means heel catcher. That's one of the interpretations. The other is supplanter, you know, conniver, that, and that describes him a lot. So he, um, he, uh, he wants what Esau has, his birthright. He desires that. And the birthright offered some really uh, important things. The first one was that when the father passed away, the, uh, the, the child with the birthright took the place as the head of the house. He would be the decision maker of the family, and he would be the head of the house. Second of all, there would be a double inheritance that would come. When, um, when the, the inheritance was given out, twice as much went to the child with the birthright. Um, in this case, there's only two of them, so two-thirds of the inheritance goes directly to, um, would have gone to Esau, but now Jacob is wanting that. And then there's another uh, thing that happens, and that is this, that it's most likely, not required, but most likely that the child with the birthright also gets the best blessing. When, before the father passes away, he passes on his blessing to his children. And so, usually they will bless the firstborn son with the best blessing, and then what's left over goes to the other children. And that was something that, um, that Esau w- would want, but he was willing to kind of give it away in giving away his birthright. So it says, Esau said, look, I'm about to die, which is a lie, Right? Have you, ever, have you ever said, man, I'm, 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 I'm hungry, I'm, I'm going to die if I don't eat, you know, I, I just can't, I, you know, I'm starving to death, that's what my five-year-old grandson said to my wife yesterday, or the day before, said, said 
Grandma, I'm starving to death. And she said, no, you're not. You could go several days without eating and not die. <clears throat> so, but that's Esau. I'm starving to death. I'm just so hungry. You know, what? And he says, so what good is my birthright if I die? What? And, and then this, it says, and Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and rose and went his way. And then the Bible describes it this way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, that encounter, which might seem even kind of innocent, um, did he really sell his birthright? He absolutely did. That's the, the, the scriptures do not speak highly of Esau. In fact, when you look at what the scriptures say about Esau, it's, it's pretty dire, and he's really... Um, sh shown to be not much of the man of God that he should have been. See, what Esau was doing, first of all, he was, in fact, despising his call. He was rejecting his call. He was supposed to be, he was supposed to be the third one. See, there's the God of, you hear this over and over in the scripture, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was supposed to be Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. It would not be. He sold it. He sold it for lunch. And, and he sold it. Listen, it wasn't that Esau was tricked, he wasn't tricked. He was stupid. He, he wasn't tricked. It's kind of like somebody drives up with their new you know, Lamborghini and you go, hey, listen, I, I, I got a good pair of shoes that you might like. How about we trade? If the guy trades, he didn't get tricked. He's just stupid, right? You, you understand that the, 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 the fact is that he knows what he's doing. He knows the value, the future value the future value of the birthright, but he only cares about the present value of the thing he wants. He only wants to fulfill the now. He, he makes a permanent decision over a temporary problem that is going on, and people do that all the time. See, Esau, he didn't want the call. He didn't want the purposes of God in his life. That wasn't important to him. Now, he would want the blessing. We find that. And the blessing, he was all for the blessing. Give me the blessing. But you see, what he was doing is he's saying, I want what you can give me, God. I don't want you. I don't want your purposes. I don't want your call. I don't want you, you know, directing my life. I'm not interested in that. Just give me what you can give me. Give me the blessing. Give me what I want. But I could care less about what you want. That's what's going on here. 
Now the difference between the two is Jacob did want God, and he did want what God wanted, and Jacob did want the call, and he did want the blessing. He wanted both, but he had character flaw, and and he was a you know he was a scoundrel at times, and he had he had sin. He had a character flaw, but because Jacob loved God. God would deal with his character flaw. See, in whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He'll deal with those things. He'll, he that began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God will work on you. And Jacob's life, God would work on him. He, in fact, God would put Jacob in the household of a greater scoundrel than himself, his uncle. And his uncle Laban would teach him, and he would, uh, you know, would abuse him with his, you know, conniving and and crooked ways, and and he did all of that to, uh, you know, affect affect Jacob in a way that he didn't know that he was actually being used of God to form Jacob. And Jacob eventually would grow past that. But what he would never lose is his pursuit of God. And eventually, when the opportunity came, he wrestled with God for the blessing. And he became, his name was changed to Israel. He became, from the man who was the, the scoundrel, the supplanter, the heel catcher, to Israel, which means prince with God. He became the, a prince with God because there was something in Jacob that wasn't in Esau. Jacob, what was most important to Jacob was that he pursued God and that God's call on his life. He wanted to be what Esau was called to and he was willing to do that. Now how he did it, he didn't do it right, but he still did it because of his passion. He wanted what God, he wanted what he wanted to have the blessing of God. Now, oftentimes, listen, we can't blame Esau just for stupid decisions. Can we? I mean, anybody here has not made a stupid decision. I've made them so many times I don't even want to count. But I, I've made permanent decisions over temporary problems in my own life at times. And what a mistake it is. And 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 you know, how many times do we do that kind of thing? You know, but the fact is those temporary things, listen, hunger will pass, right? Loneliness will pass. Frustration will pass. Desire for pleasure temporarily will pass. Giving away the next 30 years for the next 30 seconds isn't worth it. And people do it all the time. See, we've, done, we've all done something stupid. If you, like me, have even said, I've said this out loud before, how can I do something that stupid? It usually has to do with something, someone, you know? And Esau despised his birthright. Now, 
Why did he despise his birthright? I think it's good to know if we can find it. And that's why I want you to be in, go to Hebrews chapter 12. Because Hebrews chapter 12 talks about this story and about Esau. And it gives a little bit more insight into why and how this happened. So Hebrews 12 verse 15 says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. See, here is um, here's Esau. He's falling short of the grace of God. Now, when we say grace, the grace of God, sometimes we jump directly to salvation because salvation is by grace. Grace is unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. Salvation is a gift from God that you and I do not deserve. So we understand it that way. But there's a broader understanding of the word grace. Grace is more than just grace for salvation. Grace is is, is God's favor, unmerited favor in all of our life. So much much that God gives to us is just out of his abundant grace. He gives us what we don't deserve. And we can identify it that way. and, And the writer of Hebrews is giving us insight into that. The fact is, it says, be careful that you don't fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root, and here it is, any root of bitterness. Now, why does he go there? Because bitterness short circuits the grace of God in your life. Bitterness is a bigger problem than people, uh, you know, uh, give credit for. It is a huge problem in Christians' lives. Many believers have been absolutely stifled and, and, uh, and decimated and lose some because of bitterness. God is, speaks very strongly about unforgiveness and bitterness in the scripture. Very strongly. Uh, really stronger than almost anything else. Uh, it, it might be, you know, in the eyes of God, the worst sin of all. Because he talks about, don't even talk to me. Unless you deal with this. And that he won't hear us if we have this unforgiveness and bitterness in our life. I've watched people dying on their deathbed and, and seething with bitterness as they're dying. And oftentimes people are sick in their life, unnecessarily sick. Some people unnecessarily die young because of bitterness. It, it, it keeps us from the blessing of God, the overflow of God's blessing to our life. People sometimes wonder, it says, why, why I'm, I'm not getting blessed. I, I do all these things. I go to church. I tithe. I do all these other things in my life, and I don't get blessed. And then you find out that bitterness is in their heart. They might be trying to do the things right. They might be wanting the blessing, but the fact is bitterness it's a, it, it's a cloud, it's a, it's, it's a covering that blocks the blessing of God in our life. And if you have bitterness in your life, you're not, it's, not, it's not a question of whether you should get rid of it. It's a demand by God. Because he, if he has forgiven you, you must be a forgiver. You must get bitterness out. And it, it is, listen, if it's in your heart, it will, you get it out. You bring it before God. You, you place it on the altar before God. 
You ask him to forgive you of being bitter. You forgive those who have harmed you. And you move on in your life. And you'll find the flow of God's blessing begin again in your life. But the problem is also that bitterness and and bitterness in our life, not just bitterness, but then he says... You know, he says, by this many become defiled, unless there be any. Then the next one is fornicator. Um, <clears throat> this is sexual sin. And in our culture, what are, I, you know, I've, I've been around long enough that it seems to me like I have not, th- this is one arena in our culture that has changed faster than anything else I've watched. It's just, just a dramatic change. In our culture. From my parents' culture to my culture, there was a dramatic change in the sexual re- revolution and then continued on at just rapid pace into our culture today that fornication is not even considered sin in our culture by people. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the world. I mean, biblical people who are, are biblical um, understand it as sin, but but even that it, the the world has gotten in even into the church in this arena, and and fornication is you know it's not adultery. I think even in our culture we kind of frown on adultery. Not we don't consider it to be really that bad, but we frown on it. it breaks up families, but what we don't do is even people don't even blink of the fact. Uh, of fornication. Now, fornication is just sexual s- sex outside of marriage. Outside of the, the covenant between a husband and a wife in marriage is fornication. And because it's it, at some point the culture has bought into sexual relationship as only a physical act. So it's a physical act that brings pleasure, so it's no different than holding hands or a kiss on the cheek. But the Bible says it's sin against your own body. And that fornication and sexual sin is incredibly destructive. It's destructive to everybody who operates in, 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 uh, and goes down that road. It affects you negatively. It'll affect your marriage. It'll affect your, your future It'll, it'll affect your ability to love in, de- in depth. It'll, it'll affect your wholeness. I mean, all of this is a, is a uh, byproduct of fornication, and it has affected our culture in dramatic ways. There's a reason why um, marriage, you know, seemingly doesn't work in our culture. And one of the reasons why is because of this lack of understanding of the damage of, of fornication. And so we have more than, you know, uh, the, the numbers are getting astronomical as ma- about how many children are raised in single-parent homes. No, no more, uh, uh, you know, mother and a father. And the financial damage, I mean, uh, difficulties and, uh, and the oversight and all that goes along with that that shouldn't be that way. We see so much damage because of this sin. 
and the damage to the individual. Now, we don't know. It's placed in the context of, uh, uh, you know, talking here about Esau. So, it, you know, there's the root of bitterness and there's fornication. We know that Esau married outside of the community uh, that God had placed him in, that he was supposed to be only, you know, with those who worship the living God. And, and, uh, and that had, uh, you know, m- maybe it has something to do with that. And then the other thing it says, or profane person like Esau. So he just called profane. Now, it doesn't seem like he did that much, but he was. And all these things, I think, in his life caused Esau to be or affected Esau in his ability to relate to the living God, to to, to pursue God in his life. Jacob, on the other hand, did. And all these things caused him to be stuck. Because as you read on, it says, "For, for you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing. See, Esau wanted the blessing. Everybody say blessing. Blessing. Esau wanted the blessing. He didn't want the call. See? He, he didn't want the call. He didn't want to pursue. He didn't want to do what God wanted him, but he wanted the blessing. And it says afterward, when he wanted the blessing, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance, though he fought, sought it diligently with tears. So he was stuck. And for his life, he was stuck. He, he couldn't, he actually found no place of repentance. He was stuck because, I think, because of his sin. And we, people, we get stuck. Because if we operate under this, we get in a place where we, we, we get sorry for, for the consequences, but not enough to change. We keep doing the same things over and over again. You know, people keep living beyond their means or keep marrying the same person with a different name over and over again. And there's jealousy and envy and bitterness that get, gets in. And instead, of, and, and instead of repenting, which the word means a change of mind, there are oftentimes emotional responses. Emotional responses. I didn't get what I want, so I cry out. It's a repentance without repenting. It's a sorrow without repenting. The Bible actually says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It says, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but listen to this, but the sorrow of the world produces death. The sorrow of the world produces death. In other words, you can be sorry enough, you can have an emotional response, but a change, an emotional response does not equal change. And so there there was an emotional response. Here was was Esau, and and the story goes, as you probably know, it was time for the blessing. Isaac says to Esau, go out hunting and bring me some venison. I'm ready to eat. 
You know, I want you to cook it the way I like it. And then I'm going to bless you. And as he goes, Jacob, uh, you know, Rebecca hears it, tells Jacob, you know, his brother's going to get the blessing. They dress him up and get him to, you know, look like and feel like. And his, his, his father's blind at this point. And he goes and pretends he's Esau to get the blessing. And Isaac prays the blessing over him. Esau comes back and discovers that his brother has stolen the blessing. And all he can get is kind of the secondary blessing, the remains. He he didn't get the, the real blessing. He always wanted the blessing. He didn't care about the birthright, but he always wanted the blessing. And now... He, he, he just breaks down and he cries and there's sorrow. But there's no sorrow of repentance. There's sorrow that he didn't get what he wanted. And there's a difference. The scripture says godly sorrow produces repentance, but the sorrow of the world produces death. The sorrow of the world is not a true sorrow toward God. Jacob was toward God. He, he, loved, he wanted God. He loved God. The story in, in the scriptures where a rich young man came to Jesus. He was a leader. He was a ruler. He had a great authority. He was very successful for a young man. Very successful. And he came to Jesus, and he had seen God, Jesus doing all these miracles. And this rich man says... Hey, is there, um, how do I inherit eternal life? You know, what, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus looks at him and knows that his God is his money. He knows that the thing that has his heart, the thing that's number one, has to be taken out of his life for God to be number one. And so he says to the rich man, the young, young man, he says, sell all you have and give it to the poor and come follow me, and then you'll have true riches. Then, you know, then, then you will uh, discover what God has for you. And in Mark 10, verse 22, after Jesus says that to him, he's, the scripture says, but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful. So he, he's sorry, for he had great possessions. But sorrow did not produce Repentance. He was sorry for what he didn't, wasn't able to have. And he wanted both. He wanted all his riches and he wanted God. And he, would, he, he wanted his riches even to be first in his life more than God. But if he could have both, God could give him good stuff. His riches could give him good stuff and he'd be happy. And Jesus said it doesn't work that way. And that was the problem and the difference between Jacob and Esau. Jacob had, he had his character flaws. There's no doubt. But Jacob wanted God. And as God dealt with those character flaws in his life and then brought him to the place that he was face to face with God, he, he, he got the blessing. And he was no longer Jacob he became Israel, prince with God. I think we can easily 
spend our life simply wanting God's blessing. Give, a, give me stuff, God. And that's what I mean by blessing. I'm, get, just give me stuff. I have a lot of stuff I want. I have a lot of stuff I need from you. I have, I have miracles that need to happen. I need you to take it, you know, and fix some things in my life. I need you to fix these things around me. Fix my family, fix my job, fix, you know. We have these things. But we never ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, what's my purpose? What's the call on my life? What do you want of me? Maybe we don't care about that because, in fact, we don't care about God. We only care about what God can give us. How fun would it be for your children to come to you and say, you know what, I really don't want to ever talk with you. I really am not interested in you, but could you give me a bigger allowance? That's really what I want. You know? Please don't bother me. I don't intend on helping out around the house and doing any chores or anything. Just give me a better allowance. Give me more stuff. My children would have done that. They know they wouldn't get a thing. Nothing. And yet we believe that of God. God, don't bother me. I'm not going to, you know. I, and really, our lives reflect that oftentimes. I want to ask you something. When, what do you do for God on a regular basis? Do you do any, is there any service going on? Is all that you do for God, I mean, some, some people think, I don't think in this building, couldn't possibly be anybody here, but some people think that when they go to church, they're doing a service for God. Like, like I'm going to church, and aren't you honored, God? I've done so much for you. I sat through that boring sermon where pastor just spoke on and on and on. And I did that for you, and uh, I hope you're well pleased. Sometimes we just come and you just want a little bit of blessing, just bless me, make me feel good, you know, excite me, do that for me. I, 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 you know, I like that. And we never ask, Lord, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? Sometimes some of you have been asked to do some just minor stuff. Hey, could you help us out once a month with, you know, take an hour or two and do something? Well, you know, I need God's blessing. And maybe, maybe someday I'll get around to doing something for the kingdom and the church and God. Well, I wonder how many of us are lacking the blessing of God because all we've, never, all we've ever done is want what God can give us and never consider what God wants from us. We want the blessing, but, but absolutely don't bother me with the birthright. I'll sell it for a bowl of soup. Be happy to. Not important to me. Now, I don't believe there's anybody in here. Maybe there is somebody. If there is somebody in here that that pertains to you, 
you can. There's still time to repent. But you don't repent for what you didn't get. You repent for what you didn't give. You don't repent, you know, because you weren't blessed as much as you want. You repent and you say to the Lord, Lord, I want you. And you, 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 you need to look into your heart. Where is God on your priority list? Is he, is he the Lord? Do you care about him? That needs to change. This is a good time to change. The power of change is, is here for you to do that. Okay? Well, I'm done. And uh, I hope I spoke truth to you today. That's what I hope. This was kind of a heavy one. But, but I believe that even though it could be heavy, it could be, oh, it could be life-changing if that needs to happen for you. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for your many, many blessings. We love your blessings. But Lord, we want your birthright too. We get the inheritance that, Lord, you provide for us as children of the living God, but you have a call on our life. Each and every person here, Lord, has been given a call. And we might not know what it is, but we should pursue it and help us to do that. Help us to give our lives for, in ourselves for the kingdom, Lord, and the work that you have for us, Lord. Help us to serve you and help us to pursue you. You're worthy of our pursuit. You're worthy of everything that we have. We ask that you would bless us in that. And then, Lord, I pray for those who are distant from you, people who have not, never given their life to you. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you can do that right now. You can have salvation. You can have God forgive you of every sin that you've ever committed in your life. I mean, I don't know if you've even tried to evaluate how many sins. You probably can't. The scripture is pretty clear about that. We have sinned so many times that it separates us from God, but God is gracious. And he wants to pour his grace and his forgiveness upon you, cleanse your soul, and give you a brand new start. And to, to do that, you have to accept his free gift of salvation that comes in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Savior. And if you invite Jesus into your life right now, he'll come in, cleanse your soul. Um, he'll, he'll join you by placing his spirit inside you and help you to live your life in the way that God had intended from the beginning. And if you just pray this, say, Dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. You paid the price for my sins. You were buried and conquered death. I receive you as my Savior. Come into my life. Help me to follow you. From now on, I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Do you feel like we need to kind of worship a little bit? Let's lift this place up. We're going to worship with the work of our hands. We're going to take, uh, offering buckets are going to be passed. But while we're, the buckets are being passed, let's lift our voices and let's just sing.